So for you listening on the recording later on, it is, uh, we're under, under a tornado warning at this moment. So if the recording never gets posted, well, you're never going to hear this. So we'll, we'll see. Okay, so tonight we're going to continue with part two of lesson two of the Salvation Bible Basics. Um, and I actually picked up a couple additional booklets, lesson booklets while I was in Pennsylvania. And I bought them from that young lady that's sitting right back there. And they're for the church. I'm going to put them on the back um, resource shelf. So if you want a copy of that, there will be some there. Um, the main outline and thoughts behind this Bible study are, uh, are in this booklet. Um, but just as a review from last week, we started looking at God's view of people. Um, there, everyone in this world is in one of two groups. Those who have a relationship with God and those who do not have a relationship with God. Last week we went through the first four, and tonight we're going to, Lord willing, finish up the last three and then some concluding remarks on this lesson. But um, the comparison we started with, um, there are seven contrasting things that, we, uh, that are in this study. And the ones we looked at last night, or last night, last week, was a comparison between the biblical term lost and the biblical term saved, the biblical term unrighteous versus righteous, unforgiven versus forgiven, enemies of God or reconciled. Um, and tonight we're going to pick up with the fifth one here which is condemned versus justified. So if you turn to John chapter 3, John chapter 3 and verse 18 is where we see this word condemned. John 3, 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, that he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Notice the words we have looked at so far. I'm going to pick up reading here. Is that hail? Yeah, we do. Ah, that, that would not have been pleasant. Um, notice the words we have looked at so far. Those who have no relationship with God are lost and not right with God. They are unforgiven and enemies of God. Now we see that they are condemned. It is, as if, it, it is as if we have already been to a court of law. We have already sat through the proceedings. All the testimony has been heard. And the judge has banged the gavel on the table to pronounce us condemned and under the sentence of death. 
That is how God looks at you and me. Many people think that when they get to heaven, they will have an argument with God and work things out. But you need to understand that when you stand before God, all the arguments have already been heard. It is already over with. You are guilty, and God knows you are guilty. You are already condemned to hell. Um, there won't be a slick lawyer in heaven that, will be able to, that you'll be able to hire to get yourself off. You will stand before a holy God who knows everything about your life, every sin you have ever committed, and every vile thought you have ever had. God knows everything about you. He has already declared it, uh, declared in the Bible that you are condemned. Um, he gives one example here, but uh, I was thinking of a different example that uh, applies to this. Um, think about it. In the word condemned, you're feeling guilty. I mean, of course, in this example, you're condemned because you've done something in front of a judge. But that this is sort of the feeling that I get when conde uh, thinking about get condemned. Um, you're driving down the highway too fast, and you see the police officer sitting there. What do you automatically do? Well, your foot goes to the brake. You're feeling condemned. It's that feeling, and of course, you're hoping that uh, you don't see the lights turn on and uh, him chase after you. But it's that feeling of condemnation. You know you're guilty, and you're just waiting for the uh, police officer to come get you. Um, so that's one example of that. I've heard examples of, okay, you go to, you rob a bank because you need money, and suppose you get away. But if you're driving down the road and you see a police officer sitting there, you're not just going to stop by and have a chat with him. You're going to be like, does he know? Is he going to go after me? It's that feeling of guilt, that condemnation. And as I was saying a couple weeks ago with this study, yes, he gives examples in here. Some of them might be a little dated because he initially wrote this back in the 90s. So if you're going to do this study, come up with some of your own examples, some things that could be applicable to different people. Um, if you have no relationship with God, uh, this feeling of condemnation, that is how you are right now in this life. You live under the condemnation of your sin. If you drop over dead without Christ, you would be in the presence of God and immediately condemned because you have no relationship with God. So that's condemned, but those who do have a relationship with God, the contrasting word is justified, and that's found in Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1, which says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that word justified means to be declared just. And of course, there is that cliche that I'm sure I'm, I know Tim's dad mentioned it uh, when going through the book of Philemon. Just, if, just as if I never sinned, and of course that only works in the English language, but I mean that's really what the implication of the word justified means. Declared just. Declared that you have no sin. Um, and it's, it's a legal term. If you are tried and condemned in court and the judge assesses the penalty, you must pay. 
But if someone walks up to the bench and hands over the cash to pay for the penalty, the judge bangs the gavel and you walk out of the room. Your fine has been paid in full and you are no longer condemned. And going back to that example of a police officer, if you weren't speeding, well, you don't feel condemned when you see him. Or if you were speeding, you got a ticket and someone paid for that ticket and you see that same police officer, you don't have to be, feel condemned because your wrong has been paid for. Um, and the word justified doesn't mean doesn't just mean that you've never sinned, or doesn't mean that you've never sinned. Um, or let me go back. Notice that being justified doesn't mean you have never sinned. It doesn't mean that you've never committed a crime, but it means you have been declared just. The penalty has been paid. And just thinking of those who of us who are saved of just amazing how amazing that term is when God looks at us through the blood of Jesus it's like we have never sinned we know we have but God looks at us that way and and justify that's that's amazing um, so there are two kinds of people that God sees those who are condemned before Almighty God because of their sin and um, as we've been seeing, everyone on that side without a relationship, without God, that's how we all start. Um, and those who haven't been saved are all on that side. And, um, and we're not right with God. But there are those that God has justified, those who God has declared just, and that penalty, penalty has been paid. And those of us who've accepted Christ as our Savior, we were condemned, but now we're justified. So that's condemned versus justified. Now we're going to look at the term under wrath versus accepted. Under wrath versus accepted. Um, these terms are found in Romans. Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And then Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Another way that God describes those who have no relationship with him is that they are under the wrath of God. These people are described as holding the truth in unrighteousness. That phrase means holding down the truth, choking it out. You see, it is possible for you to sit in church every service and not accept the truth. It's possible to, be, possible to be a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, a church member, and even a preacher and still not be right with God. But to hold down the truth, to keep it from having full effect in your life, truth isn't just meant for us to hear about. Truth is meant for us to obey. Um, think about when we went through the Ten Commandments. We were guilty. That's God's law. That's God's standard. Um, and we've broken those laws. We are under that wrath of God. Uh, the example here that he uses is being like being on the FBI uh, 10 most wanted list. If you're on the 10 most wanted list and the police find you, 
You think they're just going to come up and tap you on the shoulder and politely ask you to go with them? No. That is not how they're going to arrest you. They're going to come at you with guns drawn, with five or ten agents around you, stick their guns right at you, and expect you to do what they say. When you have no relationship with God, you are under the wrath of God. Yet many in our world that are in that very condition walk around like everything is just fine between them and God. When you stand before God looking at him, you will find out everything is not fine. You will find out that God isn't smiling at you. God hates your sin. God will be looking at you in anger because of your sin, because your sin is against him, and you are ignoring his way of dealing with that sin. If you have no relationship with God, he is looking at you in anger right now. You are under his wrath. And that goes along um, with the one point last week, being an enemy of God. And we were just seeing how mind-numbing that can be of being the enemy of the creator of the universe. But that's under wrath. Um, but now we're going to look at the contrast of the word accepted. Those who have a relationship with God are called accepted. And we find this in Ephesians 1.6. Ephesians 1.6, which says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Everyone starts out life under the wrath of God, but there are some who have moved to the column of having a relationship with God, some who are accepted in Christ. What does it mean to be accepted? It means to be welcomed, to be wanted. That is what God offers. He offers to you the opportunity to be accepted. How do you get accepted? It is dependent upon something you do. Is it dependent on something you do? Can you do enough good works until it makes you accepted? No. Accepted is something the other person has to offer to you. Acceptance is what God offers you through Jesus Christ. So, under wrath versus accepted. And then here's the last um, contrast we're going to look at. Um, eternity in hell and the lake of fire versus eternity in heaven. Um, the last term that God uses to describe those who have no relationship with him is that they will spend eternity in hell, forever separated from God. Now, Revelation 21.8 describes uh, who are going to be in hell, um, which says in Revelation 21.8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Um, and just as a side here, that verse has been called the phone book of hell by uh, some preachers in the past. Today, people don't really know what a phone book is. So that would be one of those examples, come up with a, a creative example of what that could be. Um, Notice that some of these horrible people who deserve uh, that some of these are horrible people who deserve to be there, murderers, abominable sorcerers, but he also includes liars and the fearful and unbelieving. I mean, honestly, you boil that verse down to that one word, unbelieving. Those who haven't believed. These are those who know what God said but just didn't want to believe it. 
or they were fearful of what others would think. Because they do not deal with their sin, they will spend eternity in hell. And the Bible also tells us that, okay, those who die, who don't know the Lord, go to hell. But then, eventually, hell itself is going to be cast into the lake of fire. And all those who were in hell into the lake of fire. And that's just a, a really sobering thought, if you really think about it. Um, I'm going to skip down through a couple uh, of the paragraphs here. But... Um, he ends this section with, if you walk through your whole life ignoring God or try to make yourself right with God your own way, you will end up in hell. Some people say, how could a loving God send people to hell? And I don't know if you've heard that term before, but or people say that. I honestly don't really understand God when they make that statement. Um, but it's not God who sends the people to hell. It's themselves because of their choices. So that's hell or the lake of fire now versus heaven. On the other hand, those who have a relationship with God will spend eternity in heaven. First uh, Thessalonians 4:16 to 17 says, "For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel angel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And of course, there's other verses that describe heaven as well. Um, but Jesus is coming back again, and when he comes, those of us who belong to him will go to be with him, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is what today we call heaven, to be with, to be with Christ. And if you really look at what the Bible says about heaven, um, it, it's being with God. And it also says, what is eternal life? It's knowing the Father and knowing Jesus, his Son. Um, it doesn't, uh, getting to heaven is not something you can do yourself. It doesn't matter how many times you jump up, you can't jump high enough. You will never, never build an airplane powerful enough to get there. I was on an airplane this morning that I don't know, 30,000 feet or something like that, uh, way above the clouds, but that wasn't even breaking whatever the atmosphere. Um, you can't get there in a space shuttle either. Um, you don't get to, into heaven by doing it yourself. You will never live a life good enough for you to get to heaven on your own. The only way you will ever get to heaven is for God to take you there, and he will be or he only will be taking those who have a relationship with him. And that's the conclusion of those contrasting thoughts. Um, but, um, I mean, if we look at those seven terms, lost versus saved, unrighteous versus righteous, unforgiven versus forgiven, enemies or reconciled, condemned or justified, under wrath or accepted, eternity in the lake of fire or hell, or eternity in heaven. Obviously, we want to be on the latter side of that. Um, and really, with this part of this lesson, is just to really get the person to realize what the Bible says about those who don't have a relationship with God. 
Uh, now we're going to get into some um, of man's attempts of trying, of course, if you're, if you're on that left side, that first list, you want to get to the other side. And of course, man, <coughs> excuse me, tries to do their own things to get to the other side. There's many different ways. And um, it's just, yesterday it, it was brought, well, to the forefront of my attention again, just the futility of religion. And that's one of the ways that man tries to justify himself before God. Um, at my grandma's funeral, it was at the church she was a member of for many years, and uh, the United Methodist Church, which hundreds of years ago, they were stronger than most Baptist churches are today, unfortunately. But um, it's just a lot of tradition, a lot of you know, liturgy, a lot of... I, I could complain a lot about the way their pastor... Um, led the service, but uh, it's just, there's, there's, there's no hope. They were reading stuff from a book, and it, it, it's just religion, and people trying to get to heaven, make attempt to get from this left side to the right side by doing good works, and there was a lot of people there yesterday. It was actually more uh, I was surprised how full the auditorium was. But a lot of them, a lot of those people were either in that religion or in other similar religions. It's like, are they really, are they saved? There, there's lots of churches out there. And uh, thankfully, my dad was able to have some freedom um, to to preach and to uh, give the gospel out. Um, but it's just religion is dead. <laughs> I mean, and that's one of the attempts to get back to the lesson. That is one of the ways people try to get to this side with a relationship with God, being religious. Um, and uh, going to church, doing your penance, whatever. Um, I'm not exactly sure what Methodists teach, but or but the stuff that she was reading, the pastor it was it was it was sad. It was really sad. Makes me really thankful for what we have um, and how I was brought up. But religion is one way that man tries to get, get to God. But if they're not doing what God says, it's not going to get them to heaven. They're going to stay on this left side. Um, and what God says, um, there's three main verses we're going to look at. Or no, four. Four main passages, actually. Um, there are verses we've looked at at the Romans Road other times. We've looked at uh, um, soul winning, but we've got Romans 3.20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, 
there shall be no flesh justified in the sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Um, one example I've heard about the law, uh, well, is actually, here, here's the example that, uh, um, well, it was Pastor Roland Hammett who was teaching this last I was listening to, how he explained it, and it was a good example. He's like, one night I was in bed trying to go to sleep, and all of a sudden I hear a cricket. That is basement. And he's like, you know, if I was outside camping, it wouldn't be a bother. But when I'm inside my house, wanting to sleep in my bed, the cricket is going to be annoying. So he gets a flashlight, and he he finds it. But he was he used the flashlight to reveal where the cricket was. He didn't use the flashlight to kill the cricket. And the example he was using is like, the flashlight, that is like the law. That is how it reveals our sin. It shows where, what the problem is, where the problem is. Uh, it's not what he used to kill the cricket. And just the same thing, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. You look through the Ten Commandments, there's many other commandments in the Bible. If you really think about them, really apply them to your life, you know you have sinned. And that's what the law is. Um, and then, uh, of course, then there's one way of um, example that people have used of, well, I've done so many good deeds that should outweigh my bad deeds. And he gives some examples in here. I'm not going to take the time tonight to read them, but just some good examples. Um, just like you commit a crime and you're guilty of that law, but then you were a really good citizen and all this. I do everything else. I help people. Well, it doesn't negate the fact that you have um, broken the law. And Isaiah 64, 6 we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There's nothing that we can do that is going to look right in the eyes of God. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. <coughs> doesn't matter how many good works I do. I have no relationship with God. It will never be good enough. Never, it will never be able to move me into the calm of having a relationship with God. And then Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And just with these verses, the conclusion of this lesson is the point where we're at if you're if you don't have a relationship with God this is what the Bible says and this is what man tries to do well it's not going to be good enough so that's the, th the thrust of lesson number two bring someone to that point to realize what the Bible says about where they stand before God um, and then uh, we're going to get into the next lesson, um, Lord willing, next week of getting into the answer uh, for our sin. Um, 
and what God has done for us to be able to go from that left side, that bad side, to the, the without relationship and those with a relationship. So, Lord willing, we will get to that um, next week.